Some days are terrible. You wish that you were dead, and some days are magical, like grape banana bread. Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads. The voices in our heads. Hello, everybody, and congratulations on not killing yourself. My name is Christina Hutchinson. I'm the voice in your head, and I feel like a fat fuck right now, okay? I'm recording this seconds before it comes out, a little bit longer than that, but oh my God, I am eating everything. That's the phase of the non-smoking that I'm in. I'm like, is that a cookie? Give me that cookie. And my stomach's like, no. But my brain's like, yeah, just do it. My heart's like, yeah, do it. But my stomach, I've whenever I eat sugary shit, I get a stomach ache. So my stomach's like, no. But my brain's like, yeah. And then my butt's like, well, I wish. It's all, I'm stopped up. <laughs> Who's horny? I'm in a very weird headspace. I, because I don't, because me and food, me and food have no choice but to have a, a, um, a bad relationship with each other because, and not, and not mentally, but it's just so much shit gives me a stomach ache. So much shit. Gluten gives me a terrible stomach ache. Uh, dairy, terrible stomach ache. What did I eat earlier? A fucking bagel covered in cream cheese. <laughs> and my butt was like, no. Yeah. But then my mouth was like, yeah, I'm going to eat that. What the fuck? Oh my God. Food is so weird. I've I've just been housing food that I know makes me hurt. And so I'm walking around like um like uh that kid on, who eats the blueberry in Willy Wonka and he turns into a big blueberry like he's gigantic. Augustus Gloop? No, that's the kid who gets stuck in the chocolate factory. I don't know why I'm I haven't watched Willy Wonka in forever, so I don't know really why I'm relating my feelings to those characters because I haven't watched that movie in a really long time. Forgive me, Lord, for I have eaten a bagel with cream cheese when I should not have because my stomach didn't all like that. <clears throat> I want to read a chapter from this book, Letting Go, that I was recommended. Um, someone recommended it to me, and uh, and then a couple other people recommended it to me without me talking about it. I'm like, well, then that fun. I love when that happens. Guys, the universe is crazy. Um, it's letting go the pathway of surrender, much like what my stomach wants to do with this uh, bagel that I just ate. Wants to let it go, but it's got to go through the process before it does that. And mm, 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 boy, it's hurting. I feel it going through my intestines now as I'm talking to you, and it is not. It is a bumpy ride down, down, down to downtown. <laughs> I feel drunk. And I, I am stone cold sober, but I feel drunk. What is that? I did sleep a, more today than I wanted to. Maybe that's what it is. Anyway, I'm going to read a, a chapter on letting go about pride because I'm going to talk about it. You'll get, I'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> but I've been looking up de- definitions of things. And, you know, us Americans, we fuck up the definition of things a lot. The, the definition of pity is not what I thought in my head. I guess I, I, if you were to ask me to define pity without looking at the, de- you know, the definition that's in front of me, I would say to feel bad for somebody. But, but if you look it up on the internet, the definition is the feeling of sorrow and compassion caused by the suffering and misfortunes of others. And I'm like, oh, well, that's like a nicer way to say it, I guess. Americans really don't want anybody feeling bad for them because they think it makes them weak. Uh, And then another definition for pity, a cause for regret or disappointment. What if it used in a sentence? What a pity we can't be friends. That sounds passive aggressive. What a pity we can't be friends. Mm. When you say it like that, for sure. Uh, Feel sorrow for the misfortunes of. For example, Claire didn't know whether to envy or pity them. 
I guess Mr. T fucked up the word pity when he said I pity the fool. No, he didn't. Americans did. Americans fucked up. Just Americans in general. We fuck up definitions of words all the time. Wait, what's the definition of the word awesome? I remember I looked it up once and I'm like, wow, we're overusing that. Awesome. Extremely impressive or daunting. Inspiring great admiration, apprehension, or fear. <laughs> That's not how we use that word at all. <laughs> and the example sentence is, quote, the awesome power of the atomic bomb. The atomic bomb. God damn. And then I was looking up the word vulnerable because I'm reading so many books, y'all, right now. Well, I'm listening to so many books, y'all. I'm listening to a lot. And one of them is Brene Brown's Daring Greatly. God, I want to not like that woman, but I re- everything she says is great. Why do I want to not like her? I think it's because when I grew up in Virginia, we had this one neighbor that was so goddamn nosy. His name was Bill, and he fucking lived two houses down from us, and my family went through shit when I was a kid, and we were living in Virginia, so a lot of people had southern-ass accents. There were Confederate flags on the porch, you know, the losing team. Yeah, people just pretended to not know, just pretended they it was not the losing team, and they put it on their porch, and I'm like, oh, that's cute. I hate you. But I had this one na- uh, nosy neighbor named Bill, And he would just walk into your garage. And I'm like, you know, there was a point in time where my family, my mom was going through a lot of mental health shit. And my dad was trying. And we were all trying, you know, everyone's just trying their best, right? And then fucking Bill would come over in the garage and be like, what are y'all doing? Like, get out, go away. And why did I bring him up? God, I don't know. I'm just losing my goddamn train of thought. Oh, that's why. Brene Brown. Well, I got it back. See, you guys just witnessed a miracle. Anything's possible. Brene Brown has the same Southern accent that my neighbor Bill did. And it just reminds me of a nosy Southern neighbor that just doesn't really care how you're doing, but wants to know your business just in case you're going through something that makes him feel better than you. So he can pity you. Ooh, call back. I'm bringing it all back. Yeah, so anyway, Brene Brown was talking about vulnerability. And so I looked up the the word vulnerable. Because when I... Okay, so if you were to ask me to define vulnerable without looking at the actual definition, I would would think of it as a strength. Like, it's it's like good to be vulnerable. It's it's exactly not what it is. Um, Being vulnerable isn't... It's like, is that not a good thing then? Because Brene Brown's like, you got to be vulnerable. And then I looked it up and I was like, wait, I don't want to be that. Susceptible to physical or emotional attack or harm. Now, I guess the op- I guess she's trying to say don't put up walls uh, of a person. When you're talking about vulnerability of a, a vulnerable of a person is in need of special care, support, or protection because of age, disability, or risk of abuse or neglect. Well, I, quote employees must be better trained in how to deal with vulnerable young people. Huh? Vulnerable young. I don't get that. Well, employees of what? You got to be more specific in your dictionary example sentences. And then with relation to a partnership, uh, vulnerable means liable to higher penalties either by convention or through having one game toward a rubber. What? All right. I'm going to stop reading. Kevin, can you stop pumping your bed? That's to sleep in. Stop. See, everything's pissing me off because I'm tired and I slept weird and then I ate a goddamn bagel covered in cream cheese. And it's like, boy, oh boy. You know when something makes your stomach hurt, but you're like, nah, I'm going to eat it anyway. And then, you know, you knowingly walk into that bear trap and then it it bites down on your leg and you're like, ow. But then the other party is like, bitch, you asked for this. You paid for it, in fact. You, went, you ordered it off seamless. You went into the store and you picked it up. <clears throat> yeah, I farted. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just, I feel like I'm in dream upside down land. That's what I feel like because of my intense sleeping, because the nick, the no nicotine thing, I'm, I'm 
I'm getting over it slowly, which is very good news. Just, you know, not being able to have a cigarette. I think one of the things that really is fucking me up is I felt so um, restricted as a kid. I felt like I was in a straight jacket when I was a kid. I just felt like I couldn't behave how I wanted to behave or act how I wanted to act. Meaning, like, I couldn't be honest with my parents about stuff. I felt like I couldn't, I, but I didn't really understand that that's what I felt. You know, you don't have the words to articulate your feelings. It's just a whole bunch of shit. I don't know. Shit's cool. Shit's, shit's wild. Shit's wild. Hey, you know what, guys? You know what? Let's do some fuckboy theater. Let's do it. We're just going to fucking do some fuckboy theater. Because I have a fuckboy conversation to read to you. That is... <clears throat> Something to be pitied. Okay, this is um, this we're gonna call this fuckboy uh Chris because he has a more of a, a unique first name that I'm just gonna replace with Chris just in case you know I don't know why I'm trying to protect the assholes, but my brain isn't working right now, so we're just gonna call him Chris. And the other thing is, if I'm being honest, I can't pronounce what his real name is, so I'm just gonna say Chris. Okay, okay. So I'm assuming these people talked on a dating app, and then this is Chris's first instance texting her. Kevin, stop humping the bed. Stop. Does your dog hump its bed? I mean, my dog does. Okay, Chris. Hey, it's Chris. Hey, Chris. Smiley face. I looked at the garage. That was the restaurant that they were considering going to. And it looks nice, but pretty far from me. Is there somewhere more midway between us we can go to? Yeah, let me look up some places in a bit. And then a couple hours later, he sends her a Yelp link to a restaurant. And then he says, what are your thoughts on that? About to be off work. I've never been. And it's not too far. Smiley face. See you around seven. Can we do 730? Yeah. Yeah. Google says that place is closed. Are you sure it's open? And then a little while later, she says, I called and they're open. Never mind. And then he says, yeah. And then a couple hours later at 7.16 p.m., 14 minutes before they're supposed to meet, he says, hey, can we cancel tonight? I'm sorry. And then she doesn't respond. And two hours later, this guy says, honestly, I felt you didn't give me enough to want to meet you. Oh, I hope this guy fucking... Oh, God. I dod- And then a couple hours later, she says, I dodged a bullet on not meeting you. If there was any uncertainty before, this unsolicited rude follow-up confirms it. <clears throat> that was me coughing on Chris's dick. It's not rude. It's feedback. Don't be negative. Take it as life-learning experience. Give men more about yourself to help them better make that decision. Listen slash read about books from Jeff Bezos or Reed Hoffman or Mark Randolph. Oh God, I hope this guy gets Or something off of that nature. The world isn't against you or trying to disrespect you. The world is giving you signals so you can optimize towards the outcomes you want. Me not responding is not to give you a signal that I don't care about your feedback or value your advice. Bye. Don't be an ass. Good evening. And scene. <laughs> Who's glad she's single? Who's glad she's single? Me. Me, me, me. Wow. This guy. Yeah, just read a book about Jeff Bezos and then you'll understand me, woman. Just say that. I pity him. You know what? No, I don't pity him. That's me using it in the wrong way. I think he's a doofus. That's me bringing back an old school word. That's me bringing back an old school word. Guys, this episode is going to be short. And I know I say that every time, but I really got to go soon. Not soon, but in a half hour. Um, And I just want to talk about a few things and read some things. Read some goddamn ghost stories. Jesus Christ, you guys are freaking me out and giving me the willies. I couldn't, I'm recording this the day before it comes out, but I'm doing it during the day because I don't want to get in a situation where I'm reading your scary ass ghost emails again. And now I'm scared that there's this goddamn ghost child in my goddamn apartment. 
Kevin, what is that? No. Sorry. My son is just acting up. But, oh, man, if you came out to Philadelphia this weekend, um, thank you so much this past weekend. I'm so proud of myself for doing one. Doing an hour of stand-up comedy is fucking hard, especially after you've been through a pandemic when you haven't done stand-up in a while. And the longest set you've done is 25 minutes. Talking for an hour, I gotta say, thank you to everybody who listens to this podcast. Doing this podcast has gotten me to the place where I can successfully talk for an hour. And and all I'm going off of are a few bullet points in front in the compu- on the computer in front of me. That's it. I'm not mesmer- uh, mesmerizing. Oh my God, my brain. I'm not memorizing every word that I'm telling you. This is a stream of consciousness. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm going off of bullet points. And then I'm riffing, you know, and then I'm talking to you. That's how this goes. That's how I podcast. And I'm fucking good at podcasting because I've been doing it since goddamn I was out of the womb, basically. Not really, but seven years I've been doing it for. And that's similar. Okay. I'm eight years old. Go fuck yourself. Yes, I have tits at eight. Everyone's different. (laughs) But I'm really proud of myself for doing an hour because, boy, every time, man... When I do a solo weekend headlining by myself, it's just a totally different animal. Because when Corinne and I go on stage, we can't get enough stage time. Like, Corinne and I have so much to do on stage together, and it's really fucking fun. And because our stand-up sets are short for headline, you know, we're not, we're co-headlining, so we're just doing half hours. But because those stand-up sets are short, it's kind of easy, it's easy for me to do a short stand-up set. When we do club stop spots, those are 15 minutes. But when I do a short set, well, Crit and Iron Tour, that's 25. That's, it's just, it's so easy now. But an hour is so not easy. And so when I got to Philly on Thursday, first of all, Wawa gave me a present and it was in the green room. And I was like, well, I'm the fucking prettiest princess in the world, aren't I? And I hung the letter up on my bulletin board. It's right in front of my face. Wawa, thank you, Wawa. You get, they gave me a swag a box, a swag, not a bag, but a box of Wawa shirts and t-shirts and socks. This sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. Fucking allergies. And they gave me a letter. And the letter said, hey, Christina, I'm reading it verbatim. Welcome back to Philly, a.k.a. Wawa country. Can we just say how obsessed we are with your tat? Because I have a Wawa tattoo. Since you're permanently in the goose gang now, uh, we wanted to hook you up with some of our favorite items. Have a killer show and enjoy a sizzly on us. And they gave me a Wawa gift card. And I was like, well, shit, bitch. I feel like Beyonce. Is this, you think Beyonce gets free shit from Wawa? I feel like she does if she talked about it. Beyonce could do a vocal warm up that relatively sounds like Wawa, Wawa, and Wawa would probably give her a franchise. That's probably the, that's the power of B. That's what I assume the power of B is. Um, but yeah, so Thursday night, I was riding high off that present from Wawa, but the show was not as... The show, for me personally, I felt my set was lackluster. And anything less than perfect is I should just die. So I was like real hard on myself. I was being real hard on myself. And I got off stage and I was like, oh, I fucking hated that. And it wasn't the crowd. I mean, it's never the crowd, you know. A good comic can make, you know, can make it through any crowd. Yeah, Christina, just yawn on your fucking podcast. That's fine. <laughs> God, I hope I hope you're not operating heaven machinery and expecting not to hear yawns. But I'm in a weird place, y'all. I feel like I'm in a dream currently. But I'm not. I'm, in, I'm awake. Or is this all just a dream and a simulation and nothing's real? And we're just abiding by these fake rules of Earth. You know? Who knows? But after uh, Thursday's show, I got so mad at myself for not doing a good job. And so I, was, I vowed. I was like, I, I swear to God, I'm going to fucking do so well the next four shows. And I did. And Saturday night, oh, my God. Saturday night, those are the two of the best shows I've ever had. And I did an hour. <clears throat> I did an hour. I have allergies and I did an hour. That's why I keep coughing. Sorry. I know it's not cute. So I was really proud of myself. I did a lot of new material. And a, a lot of it comes came from shit that I rant about on this podcast. So I'm like, God damn it. 
what a great thing. I just, a tool that I made for myself that I didn't even realize at the time would make my stand up better. The point is, I did a fucking phenomenal job, and I'm really proud of myself, and I am now confidently want you to come see me live. At first, I was just promoting these shows because I was like, uh, you know, if, if I didn't sell them out, I'd feel like, you know, no one came to my birthday party and feel bad, but secretly, deep down, I'm wondering if I'm even good at stand-up comedy, but now, after this weekend, I'm like, no, 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 I'm good at it, so I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. And my friend Vaughn, who featured for me, Vaughn Carlos, she's a great comedian, she kept telling me not to be so hard on myself. She's like, stop being hard on yourself. And I was like, what? Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> you're right. And I, it, it was a combination of me being hard on myself and me having imposter syndrome. God damn. And you know what? No one, I did a, a, a panel, an alumni panel for my college on Friday morning at my hotel room um, with my, on my computer. Kevin, I thought I took that away from you. No, my God, Kevin's humping everything. Who are you, your mother? And uh, I, anyway, I did this alumni panel for Marymount Manhattan College. That was the college I used to go to. And I love when they asked me to do the alumni panel because it makes me feel like a pretty princess and like I'm doing good things and less of an imposter. But imposter syndrome came up a lot. And most people feel it. I would say 99% of people feel it. To the point where when someone doesn't feel imposter syndrome, I'm like, oh, you fucking bitch. You just think you can do that? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, Christina, let them believe in themselves. You know, sometimes I say things about other people in my head that I'm like, ooh, that was a cunty thing to say. And then it forces me to address my own insecurities, y'all. We're all learning and growing. But I, impre- I also impressed myself with my decision to maintain quitting smoking. Because boy, oh boy, the times where I get off stage or right before I go on stage, those are the times I want the cigarette the most. And I was like, oh, wah, 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 Christina, you're just going to sit here instead of go smoking cancerous tar. It's not that bad. Yeah, just burp in front of the mic, in the mic too. Just burp and yawn and don't give a shit and treat it like it's your home that's not in great shape right now. Because it's got a pot belly from eating all these... Goddamn bagels with cream cheese. Oh, and the other thing was, um, on Saturday, I went around. I went to Reading Market, Reading Terminal Market. What is that what it's called? Whatever. It's in the goddamn train station in Philly. And there's this booth there that sells Amish bread, like uh, like sweets. Like these Amish people just sell like all this shit. And I remember going there when I was a kid. And so I went in and I bought a bunt cake. A bunt cake? B-U-N-D-T. It's called bunt. Well, no. Is it called bunt? Bundesen? I don't even know how to say that right. Whatever. You fucking know what I'm talking It's a cake. Oh, and I ate all of it. Oh, my God. I'm such a fat piece of shit. <laughs> my stomach, it's so funny because, like, my stomach's hurt my whole life. And it's maybe it's because I grew up in not a, not a very safe environment or something. But whatever the reason, it hurts. That's the point. And... When I eat sweets, it hurts real bad. But sometimes when I'm in the special zone of hating myself, I'll eat sweets and I'll go, you deserve this pain. <laughs> or I'll just eat it anyway because um, I'm a weak piece of shit. <laughs> when I feel punch drunk and kind of confused and like my feet aren't on the ground, I think making fun of myself in an obnoxious way is, does it. That does the trick. Hey, okay, so what I wanted to do is I was talking about how proud I am of... I'm also proud of myself for not smoking cigarettes. Like, at all. Not even once. I had the fake cigarettes. I brought them with me to Philly. And I left them at a friend's house. And and I was like, oh no, I left my... Uh, Who cares? They didn't do anything anyway. Oh my God, yeah. My friend... I have one friend who's a musician who introduced me to all of his musician friends, and I'm like really good friends with all of his friends. It's I felt weird. I, that happens to me a lot. People introduce me to their friends, and then I'm just become real close with their friends. And I'm like, I hope they don't hate that I'm doing that. You know what it was? My ex best friend hated that. Wait, did she hate that I did that? Somebody that I knew hated that I did that. And I'm like, wait, I'm not doing this on purpose. And then it made me question my existence and my motives for everything. And I'm like, am I trying to befriend other people's friends? Like more than. To be friendlier with them than their friends? That that makes sense, right? Who knows, guys? But I do know that my son will not stop goddamn humping every goddamn thing. 
my point in bringing this up was uh, I my friend's friend, which I guess is my friend now, lives in Philly, and I have I have a bunch of friends personally that live in Philly, and uh, he had uh, a lot of us over. Me and Vaughn came over his house uh, after the shows on Friday night. He plays piano. He's like the best piano player ever. He has a grand piano in his apartment. And the weighted keys, oh my God. He plays piano for Adele. Okay, that's how good this guy is. He is Adele's piano player. And when Adele goes on concert, that's her main instrument is the piano. Never mind how fun. One time I was drunk at his house the last time I headlined Philly and I made him sing Adele, play Adele uh, on the piano and I sang it and I was like, oh boy, I can't believe you didn't punch me in the face. You actually play for Adele and my drunk ass was singing it? Oh my God, just punch me in the face. Anyway, uh, we had like a little house party at his house and that's another instance where I really would have smoked the shit out of some cigarettes and I just straight up didn't. So, I guess good for me is what I'm trying to say. And then with that, I wanted to read you uh, a chapter from this book, Letting Go. And it's all about how bad pride is. Because <laughs> I was kept saying to myself, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of myself. And then I was listening to this audiobook, Letting Go, The Pathway of Surrender by David R. Hawkins. That one lady recommended to me and then all of a sudden all these other people started recommending it to me and they didn't even know I was already reading it and I was like, joke's on you, bitch. And they're like, oh, sorry, I was just trying to recommend a self-help book that I thought you'd like. I'm like, I know what you were doing. Uh, and I was listening to this chapter on pride and I was like, wait, maybe pride is not good. Shit, I don't know what words mean. But let's just, let's just I'm just going to read some of this on pride. Just, just to, this is more to me than it is to you, but if you benefit from this, good, I'm glad. Chapter 9 Pride In common parlance, pride is often thought to be a good thing. However, damn it, if we take a good look at it, we will see that, just like all the other negative feelings we have discussed so far, pride is devoid of love. Consequently, it is essentially destructive. Well, god damn it. Pride may take the form of overvaluation, denial, playing the martyr. Oh, God, that's my goddamn story of my life, playing the martyr. <laughs> Being opinionated, arrogant, yep, boastful, uh-huh, inflated, oh, I saw that, one-up, haughty, I don't know what that word means, holier than thou, oh, I feel that often. I felt that when Wawa sent me a letter. Vain, self-centered, complacent, aloof, smug, snobbish, prejudiced, bigoted, Pious, contemptuous, selfish, unforgiving, spoiled, rigid, patronizing, judgmental, and in milder forms, pigeonholing. Pigeonholing, excuse me. Well, so I guess pride's not good then, because none of those words seem like smiley faces. Intellectual pride leads to ignorance, and spiritual pride is the main block to spiritual development and maturation in everyone. Well, shit, bitch. I guess I got to turn this bus around, huh? Religious pride by self-identification with the righteous and, quote, having the only true way is the basis of all religious wars, rivalry, rivalry, and dismal occurrences, such as the Inquisition. The biggest downfall of all is religious pride and considering oneself entitled to kill others who don't share one's specific beliefs. Well, yeah, that's rude. In all of us, the prideful feeling, quote, I have the answers, blocks our growth and development. It is interesting that the egotistical part of the mind is willing to sacrifice the whole remainder of a person for its own sake. Rather than admit to being wrong, people will literally give up the life of the body itself and sacrifice any aspect of life on the altar of pride. For example, religious wars and crusades. Male pride, yeah, let's talk about male pride, you pieces of shit. <laughs> male pride about those programs that our society considers masculine blocks the emotional and physiological inner development of, the, of most men in our society. Well, I would agree with that. Some women are now joining the ranks of chauvinism. That's me, Christina Marie Hutchinson, which only compounds the problem and intensifies the battle of the sexes. Okay, okay. <clears throat> 
Vulnerability of pride. Yeah, just just cough and shit and burp and fart into the microcina. That's fine. The prideful person is constantly on the defense because of vulnerability of uh, of the vulnerability of inflation and denial. Conversely, the humble person cannot be humiliated for they are immune to vulnerability, having let go of pride. See, I had to read that sentence 8,000 times to really let it sink in, but I'll just repeat it once for you. Conversely, the humble person cannot be humiliated for they are immune to vulnerability, having let go of pride. In its place, they have an inner security and self-esteem. Many people try to substitute pride for genuine self-esteem. However, genuine self-esteem does not actually arise until pride is relinquished. Okay, so you just got to let that shit go like that bagel I just ate. might take some time, though, to go through your intestines because you're not supposed to have dairy or wheat. That which inflates the ego does not result in inner strength. On the contrary, it increases our vulnerability and overall level of fear. Oh, I guess that makes sense because the more you inflate your own ego... If I'm like, I'm the best, I can't believe I didn't smoke. Wow, I'm amazing. I didn't smoke cigarettes. I'm better than you because I didn't smoke. And then say, for example, I like had a moment of weakness, which I never will because I'm not a weak person, and I smoked a cigarette. I'm making myself vulnerable. Like my whole entire self-worth was based on the fact that I wasn't. I quit smoking. And then I got weak and smoked a cigarette, and now I'm a huge piece of shit and I should just die. Maybe that's what he's basically saying. I should just write a book. When pride and self-inflation have been relinquished, there is an inner security that takes their place. When we no longer feel called upon to defend our image, criticism, and attacks from the others, diminish and finally stop. When we let go of our need for validation or to prove ourselves right, story of my goddamn life, then the challenges against us fall away. Well, that's nice. Give me some nice happy endings. This brings us to one of the basic laws of consciousness. Defensiveness invites attack. Shit, I wish someone told me that when I was born. An an examination of the nature of pride facilitates the letting go of it as it is no longer valued. It is seen for what it is, in truth, weak. The, the The dictum? Pride goes, uh, pride goeth before a fall prevails. Pride is thin ice, a poor substitute for that rock-like real strength that comes from courage, acceptance, or peace. And don't worry, y'all, he also has chapters on courage, acceptance, and peace. But you either got to buy the book or wait until I read those parts, okay? But I'm not reading those parts today. Uh, is there such a thing as healthy pride? Well, I hope so. Spoiler alert, no. When we, take, uh, when we talk of healthy pride, we are referring to self-esteem, an inner awareness of one's true value and worth. This inner awareness is different from the energy of pride. Self-awareness of one's true value is characterized by lack of defensiveness. So, for example, you know, if, if you saw me talking in a group of people and someone was like, you know, would you smoke a cigarette today, Christina? And I was like, no, no, I didn't. Oh, my God. You'd be like, wait, did she smoke a cigarette today? But if someone was like, did you smoke a cigarette today, Christina? And I was like, no, actually, I quit a couple weeks ago. You wouldn't even question it because that's true. Do you know what I'm saying? So I get to and that was one of my problems. Y'all I got defensive over. I get defensive over everything. Well, I got defensive over everything. I changed my story. Boom. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Let's look at some of the kinds of pride with which we have been programmed and see how they bear up under examination. Pride of family, pride of country and pride of accomplishment are typical examples that come to mind. Is pride really the loftiest of human emotions? No. Okay, gone. The very fact that it is characterized uh, by defensiveness proves otherwise. When we have pride in our possessions or in some organization with which we identify, we feel obligated to defend them. That's an interesting part. Wish all the people storming the Capitol would listen to this part, but they probably don't listen to this. They're probably in jail or not listening to this podcast, that's for sure. Pride in our ideas and opinions leads to endless arguments, conflict, and woe. I'll repeat that. Pride in our ideas and opinions leads to endless arguments, conflict, and woe. A higher feeling state than pride is that of love. If we love all of the things noted above, family, country, accomplishments, that means there is no question of their worth in our mind. For example, I love Beyonce. I don't defend her because I don't give a fuck if you don't like her. My love for Beyonce is pure. 
We no longer have to be on the defensive when true recognition and knowledge replace opinion, which is part of pride. There is no room for argument. Our sheer love and appreciation for something is a solid position that cannot be assailed. Pride, because it is a vulnerable position. That's interesting, thinking of pride as vulnerable, but that makes a lot of sense. Pride, because it is a vulnerable position, always implies that somewhere there is a doubt that needs to be cleared up and the opponent quickly centers on that doubt. When all doubts have been removed, opinions and pride disappear. There is a subtle inference of apology and pride as though the thing in itself was not good enough to stand on its own merits. Interesting. That which is worthy of our love and respect hardly needs an apologist. That's true. Shit. Just punch me in the gut. Pride infers subtly that there is room for debate and that the worth of something is open to question. Damn. Fuck, this book is good. When we truly love something and thereby become one with it, like Beyonce, sure. It is because we see its intrinsic perfection. Yes, so definitely like Beyonce. In fact, its faults are part and parcel of its perfection. For all that we see in the universe is in the process of becoming. Oh, that's beautiful. In that process, the perfect evolution is part of that perfection. Thus, the half-unfolded flower is not an imperfect flower that needs defense. On the contrary, its blossoming is proceeding with precise perfection according to the laws of the universe. Otherwise, each and every individual on the planet is unfolding, growing, learning, and reflecting that same perfection. We might say that the unfoldment of the evolutionary process is proceeding precisely, got a lot of peas, according to cosmic laws. One of the drawbacks about the position of pride, as we have said, is its vulnerability. Vulnerability then invites attack. Therefore, in society, we witness that prideful people draw criticism and their vulnerability is what accounts for the saying pride goeth before a fall. In the biblical account, it was Lucifer's pride that was his Achilles heel, despite the great standing that he had acquired. Well, shit. You know? Shit, bitch. That's all I'm going to read from that section, but I'll read more from other sections or maybe that section next time. But I thought that was really interesting because as I was listening to the audiobook, <clears throat> that particular section of the audiobook was as I was thinking to myself, wow, I'm so proud of myself for not smoking and so proud of myself for doing well. But I got to I got to not be proud because then I'm because oh, then I'm just inviting lines to attack me. Damn it. Motherfucking cunt. Y'all, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like it's upside down world today. I am in such a wacky, goofy fucking place. Okay. So let's read some magic emails and then I got to call it a day because I got to go to Soho House and work on a pilot script. Okay. Let's read some magical emails. Keep them coming, guys. Keep them coming. The Voices in Our Heads podcast at gmail.com. The subject line of this email is Magic Mama. Hi, Christina and Kevin. Kevin, she says hi. Oh, he's asleep because he just fucked his friend to death. Okay. My name is Hannah. Yes, you can say it. I have been listening to the voices in our heads since day one, and I love learning more about you. Thank you so much, Hannah. And thank you for reading those excerpts from Feeling Good by David Burns. I bought a few of his books on Audible to listen to. I'm writing to tell you about my spiritual experiences with my boyfriend's mom, who passed away from cancer over 10 years ago. My boyfriend was 23 or 24 at the time of her passing. One day, I was at an early morning yoga class, the instructor had us align our yoga mats to face the window rather than the mirror, the morning sun beaming through. During this class, I felt a sudden flood of tears come over me, and I felt his mom holding me in her arms. Whoa. She had long blonde hair and bangs. I felt her resting her cheek against my head, gently pressing into my hair. Tears fell down my face silently, and then she was gone. Holy shit, that's wild. I originally held on to this experience for a while, but eventually I told my boyfriend. I asked him if she had hair when she passed away. He said she didn't. I told him she has hair now. I saw it. We both cried. I felt so blessed to have her, uh, for her to have visited me even briefly. Jesus Christ, that's intense. Another morning, I was in our plant, uh, plant room. Oh, you have a room for plants? Cool. God, I got to move out of this city. 
No, I don't. I saw the sun beaming through, and within this uh, single beam of light, I could see those tiny particles and specks of dust, like in the movies. Without being told anything explicitly, I knew that was her. Oh, shit, really? Shit. That was her sign to us. She's a perfect beaming ray of sun. I felt her. Oh, damn, that's so cool. I've seen these perfect rays in the mountains where we live in Colorado, and I just knew it was her. And again, I kept this to myself for a while, but I didn't end up telling my boyfriend of this experience, too. And again, we both cried. He pulled out his phone and scrolled through the photo album. On his wedding day, yes, he was married before, but later divorced, there is a single beam of sunlight over him in all of the photos. She was there with him the whole time. I always wished I could have met her. Oh, so she never met the mom. Okay, got it, got it, got it. I always wish I could have met her and felt, and I feel so incredibly blessed that I have been gifted with these beautiful experiences. And I look forward to the moments when I can see her beaming with love, Hannah. Oh, that's fucking cool. Yeah, man, sometimes you feel somebody and man, sometimes you can feel somebody that you've never met. That's fucking cool. Maybe that's what I feel in my stomach. A mean person that I've never met. All right. this We're going to switch gears with this next email. Uh, because the subject line is uh, paranormal demon rape. So that's what it is. And that's... I haven't read it yet. I want to react au natural when I read it to you. So here we go. Paranormal demon rape. Oddly enough, not the first time someone's talked to me about this. Okay. Uh, hey, Christine, I love the podcast. Huge fan of your comedy. Longtime fucker, etc. I've been loving the after-death paranormal spiritual stories you've been reading lately. A few of them were very similar to um, uh, two pleasant experiences I've had with loved ones that have passed away. So it has been nice to relate and remember some of the powerful feelings that I've had during these times. However, <laughs> yeah, no shit with that subject line. I have a different type of experience to tell you about. I'm not even sure what category this would fall under, but it's definitely in the same realm and I will never forget it. So, almost 10 years ago, I was traveling and ended up in this town called Golden in British Columbia, Canada. Really cool place in the mountains. Highly recommend if you're ever in the area, by the way. Well, uh, okay, but I don't want to get raped by demons, so as long as that won't happen, then maybe. I went to this little store... It was like a little coffee shop bookstore with handmade candles, art prints, and stuff like that. I, it had a tapestry on the wall that said, be nice or get out. <laughs> and the woman working there was cool, older hippie lady, kind of like that in every, in, uh, kind of ev- like everyone in that town. As soon as I walked in, everything seemed really familiar, and I had the most amplified deja vu I've ever experienced. Oh my God, that's so crazy. Yo, when deja vu happens, it's so crazy. I fucking love it. I felt at home and like I knew where everything was, even before I looked around. Even though I had never been down to that town before. It was weird, but I had uh, bought a coffee and a couple of other things. One of them was a book called Demonic Rape. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, just, you know, casual demonic rape book while in this beautiful mountain town drinking some coffee, having some deja vu. Yeah, whatever. I have no idea why I grabbed it. I didn't even know what that meant. Never heard of the term. I didn't even think about it or look at the price. I forgot about the book for the rest of the trip, but on the flight home, I grabbed it out of my bag and started reading it. I was horrified. It was a collection of real life stories from women who have experienced demonic rape. Are you fucking kidding me? So we get raped even when we're sleeping? Oh my God. I was thinking, why the fuck did I buy this? That's a great question. But I had nothing else to do, so I read it cover to cover. Fast forward a couple weeks later, I had started a new job. This girl I was working with was super nice, and we had clicked right away. Oh my God, this is... (laughs) On the second or third day of us working together, it was really slow. We didn't have much to do, so we were just chatting. We talked about everything, even some really personal stuff. Have you ever met someone that you are instantly comfortable around and trust immediately? Yes, I have. It was like that. I guess like deja vu in the form of a person. Or maybe we just knew each other in a past life. I don't know. So anyway, we got on the topic of spirits. I told her some of my childhood experiences and some weird things that had happened in my house after a family member died. When I was done, she looked me dead in the eyes and said, can I tell you something? Ah, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) she told me that ever since she was little she has had an evil spirit haunting her oh fuck god damn it 
She said at night it would touch her body violently and sexually. And when it did, she would go paralyzed and there was nothing she could do. Uh. Couldn't move or scream. She said during the day it would do creepy things too. Like one time she was walking up the stairs in her bathrobe at home. She felt something lift up the back of it. Are you fucking kidding me? So men are even shitheads after they die. I mean, what? Earth? You know where hell is? It's here on Earth, guys. Hell is here. Hell is a place on Earth. I digress. She said it was very sneaky and would play tricks on her. Like one time she was lying in her bed and thought her daughter, a toddler, came into her room crying. So she picked her up to comfort her and cuddle her. But then she realized it was actually the evil spirit. Are you fucking kidding me? She went paralyzed and it laughed and molested her. What? Ugh. Sometimes she would feel something like lick her neck while she was cooking. Ew. Ugh. Oh, God. Should I be reading this? Whatever. It's fine. Just, just fucking hug rocks after this, guys, please. When I asked her what it looked like, her eyes welled up a bit, and she said it wasn't like a physical human figure. It was more of a dark shadow with a very dark feeling. She said it wasn't always consistent throughout her life. There would be long periods of time where nothing would happen, and she thought it was gone for good, but then it would f- return. It happened the most frequently when things were going badly in her life, stressed out, in a shitty relationship, fighting with family, etc. It also didn't have anything to do with where she was. It happened in hotels, on vacation, in every house she's lived in. Oh my God. She said the only person she has told this to, besides me, was her sister, who said it's happening to her because of her sins. Her family was hardcore religious. Can you imagine? Oh my God, that's terrible. Wait, what? I immediately wanted to find her sister and punch her in the face hole. God. Oh, okay, the sister said it was happening because of her sins. Got it, got it, got it. But anyway, she was descri- um, what she described was exactly the stories I had read about in the book I got in Golden. After I hugged her and told her that I disagreed with her stupid-ass sister, I said, you're not going to believe this. But I think I have a book about this. She seemed surprised. I'm not sure if it was because she had been suppressing this and not talking to anyone about it for so long that she couldn't believe that there was be tangible literature about it. Or if it was because the person she just met just happens to have required recently acquired this random book that is all about her lifelong deep, dark secret. Of course, I gave her the book. Well, that's good. Yeah, I would. That's not a borrow this book. That's a. Take this book. <laughs> you you can have it. <laughs> I don't need it. You, seems like you need it more than me. She thanked me and said it helped her to come to terms with what was happening and good to see to know that she was not alone. When she finished the book, she was able to bring herself to do more research online and to seek out a medium. She said when she actively started gaining knowledge about it, it stopped happening. Wait, What? Yo, this is like Hill House in real life. I ended up not working there for very long because the hours sucked and I got another job offer. We lost touch over the years, but I still think about her from time to time. I can't imagine how hard it must have been to deal with that for all those years and be shamed for it by your own family. It's insane to think that I ended up in that bookstore, got that book, was put in a random scenario to connect with this person Give her the book. And then we both continued on our separate paths. Life is weird, isn't it? Yeah, I should say so. P.S. Christina, after all this happened, I read a book called Extraordinary Knowing by Elizabeth Lloyd Mayer. It's on Audible. I think you would really like it. Also, really, truly, sincerely, thank you for your podcast. It's so fucking great. And you seem like a sweet soul. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's wild. That is so weird. Oh my God. I don't even know what to think of that. Shit is weird, y'all. We are in a simulation. All right. Last email. It's the longer one. This is the last one I'm going to read you. God damn it. Well, if you have a ghost haunting you, like a demon or whatever, guys, there's literature out there for it. That's insane. Okay. Subject line of this email. Ghost living in my house. And... The ghost of my childhood friend. Hi, Kevin, Christina, a.k.a. my all-time favorite duo. Well, thank you so 
much. Kevin would say hi, but he's sleeping right now because he humped the shit out of his furry, fluffy friend. All right, I have two stories for you today. One about the ghost that lives in my house and one about the ghost of my childhood best friend. Yay! This may uh, get long, but I promise it's worth the read. If you actually read this on the podcast, I might shit myself from excitement, so please do. All right, girl. Well, God, I wish I could shit myself right now because that bagel is just wreaking havoc on my intestines. No one's ever going to fuck me again. (laughs) Oh, God. I make myself laugh. Anyway, back to this email. Let me preface these by saying I've always believed in some sort of spiritual realm. Even as a kid, it never made sense that we live, we die, and that's it. Boom, gone forever, as if you never existed. That seems like it would be a really pointless cycle, don't you think? Life is a journey. We just don't know the destination until we get there. Okay, so I live in a two-bedroom apartment with my boyfriend of several years. He already lived there before we met, and he never had any inclinations of a ghost here. Well, that's because men aren't as intuitive as women may be. I don't know. No, I'm just I mean, men have intuition. They just, when they're a little boy, they just shove it down in football practice or something. But I think it's just because he doesn't have an open mind to the spiritual world. Ever since I've been living here, it has become very clear to me that there is a presence that likes to explore these walls. Not surprising to me at all because our apartment building is from the early 1920s and situated in an area of mostly 55 plus communities. So I would imagine there are many unseen folks roaming and surrounding the streets. The spirit is not one that intimidates, but he sure does like to make me think. Ooh, that's fun one. I imagine him as an older fella who just likes to play around lighthearted. There have been several occurrences of the spiritual of the spirit trying to interact. So here we go. Exhibit A. Oh, I love this. I love the way you organize this email. Exhibit A, we have two security cameras in the apartment on opposite ends of the living room. They are motion activated, and whenever it turns on or off, it makes a little click sound. Oh, hell yeah. I got to get one of those. One night, we both went to bed and turned off all the lights. About 10 minutes uh, later, one of the cameras starts flickering on and off rapidly, and this goes on for about a minute. We checked the cameras, looked around, etc., but there was nothing to be found. Of course, this obviously could be a technical glitch, but it has yet to happen ever since that night. Exhibit B. In my kitchen, I have two Lysol spray cans under the counter. They are in the corner of our kitchen not near cooking areas or high traffic areas. One day I was home alone and halfway across the apartment when the plastic top of one of the spray cans popped off and fell onto the floor. Whoa. I went to the kitchen to see what the sound was and found the top had rolled all the way to the other side of the kitchen floor. Of course, this could be built up pressure inside the spray can, but again, this has never happened before or since, and there's no such thing as coincidences. Well, that's goddamn true. Exhibit C. My boyfriend and I were sitting on the living room couch around Christmas time, calm as can be. Our Christmas tree sits on the opposite side of the apartment near the hallway. It was decorated and the ornaments were attached with little hooks that twisted around the branches. Definitely not something that easily slips off. When we were watching TV, one of the ornaments fell off the tree and rolled to where we were on the couch. This one I have a harder time coming up with an excuse for. No coincidences. Exhibit D. One of our bathrooms is small, with a toilet and a glass shower sliding door. One morning I was peeing, and as per usual, I was scrolling through my phone when I had the distinct urge to look up at the shower door to my right, which is not usually the first thing I think when I'm waking up and peeing. I look over at the door, and in the residue of the glass door is the figure of a man in a suit from the neck down. I have a picture uh, I attached the pic that I took of this email. I went back to I went back moments later to show my boyfriend, and it was completely gone. Wait, I gotta look at that photo. Hold on, hold on one second, y'all. Wait, what's the subject line of this email? Ghost living in my house. Ghost. Okay, wait. I want to look at this picture. Oh fuck! Oh, that sucks. Ew. Oh, God, that's freaky. Okay, yeah. No, okay. I can confirm. Uh, Okay, so my second story is one of my childhood best friend who died in the fourth grade of a brain aneurysm. Oh, it was very unexpected, happened extremely quickly, and I was left wondering all kinds of questions. Is she okay? Is she at peace? Is she still around? Does she hear it when I say goodnight to her before bed every night? Oh, 
I have tried to connect with her a few times in any possible way. My mom and I have gone to three group sessions with mediums to no avail. It was beginning. I was beginning to accept that maybe I would just never know the answers to my questions. A few weeks ago, you began reading these types of stories on your podcast, which gave me the idea to look online and see if the medium was doing any events soon, just out of curiosity. By, in parentheses, not coincidence, she was hosting an event two weeks later right by where I live. I immediately knew that it was a sign that my mom and I had to go to this event. This was the time when I would finally get a connection to my friend. To make a long story a little less long, we went to the event of about 100 people, socially distanced, and the medium kept consistently bringing up a female presence, and my body was screaming at me that this was her. Everything the medium said, from the way she died, to the garden planted in her memory, the tattoo, etc., can all be chalked up to vague nonsense if you're skeptical, but I knew it was her. I just knew it. I tried to get her attention, but the other people in the audience kept exclaiming to get the medium's attention, and I figured they probably needed to heal more than I do, so I let it go. In my head, on the way home, I told my friend, I really feel like that was you. I really hope that was you. If it was, I love you and I miss you so much. Thank you for trying so hard to find me. I tried to get her attention, but other people in the audience uh, kept uh, kept exclaiming to get the medium's attention. And I figured if they probably needed to heal more than I do, uh, so I let it go. Oh, okay, oh, got it, got it, got it. Um, oh, I just read that part. Oh, she cop- did I copy and paste this twice? Oh, I copied and pasted this twice. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, every every year on the anniversary of her passing, we have always released butterflies in the garden that was planted in her memory. I have a tattoo of a butterfly on my shoulder in her favorite color, which is pink, so that she she's always with me. Butterflies have long since been my symbol for her. Ever since the night that I went to the medium, it's like butterflies have taken over my life. I work from home and stare out the window every day. Nothing exciting. But lately, every time I look, there's a butterfly buzzing around the hedges right outside, and it always flies away as soon as I've seen it. It's as if she comes around just long enough for me to notice her. The other day, I was shopping and listening to the voices in our heads while you were reading some of the stories. Oh, my God. I don't remember what exactly you said, but something you mentioned made me think of her. I smiled to myself and looked back to the shelves, only to notice that the entire shelf of home decor in front of me was full of butterflies. Sheets, towels, wall art, you name it. Butterflies everywhere. It was as if she was yelling at me. I know you've tried to connect with me many times. I really tried to get your attention through the medium, but now maybe you'll get it. I'm right here. I immediately laughed out loud in the store aisle and said, okay, girl, I get it. I really tried to get your attention through the medium, but now maybe you'll get, you'll, you'll get it. I'm right here. Oh, wow. I, keep, I copy and pasted this email twice. Sorry. Uh, I still continue to see signs of her around me at all the, all the time, especially now that I know they're real. Even writing this email, I'm covered head to toe in goosebumps, and I know that's her telling me she's listening too. Love your most loyal dumb bitch, Gabby. <laughs> Man, dumb bitch really caught on. Guys, that was beautiful. I mean, what can I say? This, death is, is fake, Okay. Yes, our physical bodies die, but we carry on forever. Please keep sending me your stories. I really enjoy reading them. They give me goosebumps. And, you know, next week I'm going to record this podcast and I will not be fresh off of a bagel and cream cheese. And my head will be a little bit better and more in the right place because, boy, I feel Looney Tunes. Um, But I love you so much. Congratulations on not killing yourself. Guys, I'll talk to you next Wednesday. I don't care where it goes Gonna climb a mountain The highest mountain A jump off Nobody gonna know Can't you see